As the lights come on, would you turn in your Bible to that passage? It's going to be Matthew chapter 6. We'll be in verse 19 all the way to 34 this morning as we celebrate uh, our graduates. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't practicing improper social distancing. That's my kiddo who got to sing and bless us a little while ago. And uh, man, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to preach after that. Uh, second time through so and it's, it's good to be together um, as we're in our bible today <clears throat> normally our our senior sermon sunday is a day where everyone in the room um, gets to hear a sermon to our seniors that's normally how it works um, and we kind of get re- to reflect and remember on when we were were their age and what's going on but the kind of a crazy thing is going on um, we are living in a time that I'm not sure any one of us has ever lived in a time like this before and so our students aren't just starting a new journey today we're all kind of in a in a whole new journey in a whole new world in a whole new way uh, to what it comes to and so today's sermon as we look at Matthew chapter 6 is really appropriate it's almost like the, God, the word of God is, is inspired and useful in every season and every situation. And so uh, today, I want you to be aware that what we talk about is for us as we talk about our treasures, we talk about um, the things that we seek after. Um, I had the privilege this week of um, running some errands. We're getting ready for college um, for Ashley. She goes off in a, a few weeks and in doing so, we're collecting things, and one of the things that we're collecting is a computer for her. Uh, and if you know anything about me, I can't just go in and buy a computer and walk away. Um, it's like a 14-day, 17-hour, 16-trip to the store back and forth till I find the right one. Anybody else in here like that? You a fanatic? It's not a wonderful thing. It's a confession of the heart, really. And um, so in doing that, I was returning on Friday a, um, a uh, computer one of three that we had purchased and returned. And um, I decided I would stop by Panera and get an iced coffee because I'm a Coffee of the Club month member and and I feel like I need to get my money's worth, right? So I go inside because the drive-thru line is long. And as I'm walking out to text Pastor Danny in Costa Rica um, just to check on him, I know they're having a rough time. Um, I I walk past these three men who um, two of them were African-American men and one was, a, was, a, was an Anglo, a white older man. And they were talking and I'm texting Danny and I just heard the word Bible. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And, and when I d- was done passing Danny, I walked back up to these people who are all in their station, they're at their place. It's, they've, they've procured it as there. Three of them are taking up four seats. And I said, hey, are you followers of Christ? Do you proclaim Christ as Lord? And they said, yes, we do. I said, oh. I said, I, I'm a pastor. They said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor too. And it was two, three pastors sitting around. And, and I said, by chance, are you talking about how Christ wants to use the church to lead our country in this time? They said, yes. I said, can I sit down with you for a few minutes? Now listen, have you ever been sitting at a meal, not in a cafeteria, and some strange dude that you don't know come up and say, can I sit down at your table? in this highly volatile conversation that you're having right now? I want you to know, when I first asked it, I wasn't sure if they were going to say yes. It honestly was a a real conversation, and they all had a relationship, and I didn't. And I wondered if they thought, well, we're pastors, he's a pastor. Okay, come on. It was one of those times where, where I was able to sit, and for 10 minutes, 
two hours later, we finally had to go. And as I thought about that time, and I thought about today, here's what I want you to know. This is necessary for all of us as we move forward through this passage and through life. That the Lord is calling his church to a bold confidence that is considerate in the gospel. We are called to act boldly and confidently in the most considerate way possible. We, we can't do one without the other, church. What God is calling us to, what Christ points us to in this passage, is, is a boldness, right? We have to be willing to say, if the Lord is going to use his body, his bride, to bring the gospel to the world, that's his plan then we have to be bold enough to say, I'm going to step out of my norm and into the unusual with my guard down. That means you can take a shot and you can't defend yourself. But if I just walk in, and students, if you just walk through this world, this season of life with boldness, without a considerateness, you know what we call that? A jerk. Amen? Has anyone ever had a, a bold friend who's just a jerk for Jesus? They're just not inconsiderate. If we take the gospel out boldly without the considerate heart of Christ, then we ruin the message. It's just, it's ruined. But the opposite, if we take the gospel out being considerate without a boldness, you know what scripture calls that? Salt that's lost its taste. Worthless. No good for anything. No help. And so today, as we look at this message, as we look at this time that we're in, we have to be boldly considerate. That's the only way the Lord brings healing. I enjoyed our conversation that, that morning, and I look forward to it some more. You can be praying for me tomorrow. We'll be gathering with pastors all across Houston to pray, to talk. Because here's the reality, and this is the message, because this message is an affront to what our society is going through. You see, every worldly institution is set up to perpetuate worldliness. Do we recognize that? Every worldly institution perpetuates worldliness. Now, it can be bathed and clothed in 4,000 different things, but there is no worldly institution that, that, that perpetuates anything other than worldliness because by definition it's worldly. Only the church, only a completely Christ-based theocracy, for lack of a better word, will be focused on the gospel and the plan of the kingdom. And so if you and I believe in this season of life that we can allow worldliness to lead us to godliness, then here's what I would tell you. Close your scripture, turn on a rerun of a college national championship game, and you will have a better day. You see, the church needs this. We need this message today because the world needs Jesus told a pastor the other day I wish I heard more pastors quoting pastors in the Bible than I did politicians because the church and that's us we have the gospel and if we pursue the kingdom the Lord will bring us what he promises 
And so it's important today that we look at this passage. If you have your Bible, turn with me. Chapter 6, verse 19. The Bible says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You see, today we're talking about treasure. We're talking about value. And in our life, as we come to it, I think it's important for us, if we're going to navigate this world, students, as you go off to college, as you go to get your master's, parents, as we go into the world, we have to be able to differentiate between earthly, good, worldly, uh, uh, heavenly, kingdom-based stuff. We, if we don't have that discernment, we're toast. In fact, if we lose sight of it, we're worse than toast. We're burnt toast. So listen to what the Bible says. What is earthly treasure? Verse 19, do not lay up to yourselves treasure in heaven on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. By definition, by biblical definition, earthly treasure is susceptible to loss. All right? Susceptible to loss. Earthly treasure is anything that is susceptible to being lost. That's not my definition. That's Jesus. Jesus says earthly treasure can be lost. Verse 20, but store it for your treasure in heaven where it can't be lost. So anything, anything that is susceptible to loss, we should understand as earthly treasure. Anything. How will earthly treasure be lost? We don't, we don't need my word for it. Let's look back in the Bible. The Bible says where moth or rust destroy. See, earthly treasure is often lost through passive deterioration, through neglect, through sweeping it under the rug, through just not paying attention to it. We, we don't know what's going on in our house, but this is an interesting phenomenon Christy's closet is right next to my closet. But in her closet, there is something or someone that we don't know about that comes through and puts the same size hole in the same place on all of her shirts. It's the weirdest thing. If I believed in moths or something, I would believe we have a moth right? It just, it just deteriorates slowly. There's nothing we can do. We've thrown cedar in there. Man, I've thrown a whole fence in there. It doesn't matter. We, we, we can't stop it from, no matter what we do, we can't stop it from happening. So you know what we have to do? We have to throw away stuff and buy new stuff. If you think buying computers is hard, try going shopping with your wife, right? So by definition, earthly things deteriorate through passive deterioration. Like, you don't even have to do anything. They're just going to fall apart. The second thing is this. It's not just through passive deterioration, but it's also through active intentionality. Active intentionality. You see, earthly things can be stolen. They can be taken from you. I love this. Jesus is telling this message to a Jewish culture in 
occupied territory. They're in their home. An invader has come in. They have decreased their rights. They have made their culture secondary. They have made them not as valuable people. And Jesus says to these people, do you understand what active intentionality is when someone comes and takes what you've got? I bet if, if they're saying in, in, in English, there's better, amen, we got you, we, we hear you. Don't forget, just a few minutes ago, he said, hey, if someone wants your tunic, give it to them and give them, give them your cloak also. Someone insults your face, go ahead and let them insult the other side. In other words, don't protect your earthly treasure. Oh, follow me here, because now, now we're messing with stuff, aren't we? Because I know what you're thinking. I've always thought that this verse was only about stuff. It is about stuff. Don't, don't, don't miss that at all. And, and the Bible doesn't even say that, that stuff is bad. Earthly treasure, if it's something that's susceptible to loss, it doesn't have to be bad. It's just susceptible to loss. The promised land is a great option, right? We look at the promised land. It was given to God's people. Was the promised land susceptible to loss? Absolutely. So it's not that the treasure itself is bad. It's the heart of the treasurer. What's the heart of the treasurer? Go back to verse 19. Start it off. Do not lay up. Anyone have a Bible that says do not store up? Yeah, this is a collector's verse. This is what Scripture's pointing to. Is this, is this act of storing it up for yourself. If you and I take this storing up for ourselves of the things that the Lord has made available as blessings on the earth for us, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? Every earthly thing is meant to be used for his glory. When we use it for what we think is best, what we think is right, we miss it. How do I know? Listen to what Jesus says in Luke. He's telling a story about a man. And this man has barns full of grains and goods, is what Jesus says. In fact, he has so much, he decides to tear them down and big bigger storage barns so he can have more grains and goods. Jesus doesn't tell us his intentionality other than safety and security. Doesn't everybody have a right to safety and security? Mm. Jesus says, if you're storing up stuff for safety and security then you have started collecting earthly things and be ready for disappointment. It goes a little bit further. We could look at the story of Achan and Joshua, the battle of Jericho. Do you remember the horns were blowing? Jesus, or the, the Lord said to, to Joshua and the people, everything is devoted for destruction or, or the things are put into the treasury of the Lord for, for the Lord's purpose and his use. Achan decided when he saw some beautiful gold stuff and some wonderful clothing that his children might need help one day. Let's pretend he has altruistic fatherly desires. I'm just going to store it up so that my children and their children can be taken care of. It sounds really good. The Lord says, just because you think it's good doesn't mean it's mine. That's an earthly treasure. You're coveting, you're collecting. So what happened to Achan when he disobeyed the Lord for probably good intentions? People were killed. Achan was stoned. His family lineage destroyed in a moment because his treasure was susceptible to loss. How about Herod? Do you know the story? Matthew chapter 2. Herod had a treasure. He was the king. 
In fact, he heard the news that there was going to be a baby born that could possibly threaten his kingdom. In other words, he had placed himself in a position in society that was better than others in their position, and he needed to protect that position at all costs. Thousands of babies murdered. Why? Because he was storing up. He was collecting an earthly treasure. You see, we can't just think of earthly treasure as grains and goods. If scripture by definition says earthly treasure is anything that is susceptible to loss, let's think through this a little bit. If, if I have a life that threatens my plans and my future, why don't we just legalize the taking of that life so that my plans and my future, my treasure, are protected? earthly treasure something susceptible to loss I'm storing up I'm collecting by protection how about, how about this we can go a little bit further what about making rules for different people so that I can make sure that people that I love are taken care of how about, how about we treat one group of people different than another So that not we don't like someone else, but so that I don't have to sacrifice what I've collected. Do you hear any of the rumblings of the wrestling of our country yet? See, our worldliness chases worldliness. And so the goal, and we'll hear it, if you and I lean in scripturally to a worldly institution, I'm promising this is where we're going. It's not me, this is Jesus. If we lean into a worldly institution for wisdom, they are going to do their very best to make earthly treasures not susceptible to loss. That's what we're going to do. Anyone ever put a security system on their house? Why? Because you don't want to lose what's susceptible to loss. Our world right now is wrestling with this reality. And if you and I don't see the delineation, the differentiation between what is earthly and what is kingdom, then we will find ourselves getting in arguments and fights with people that have nothing to do with Jesus because we're protecting our earthly stuff and they're fighting for their earthly stuff. And no one can have all the earthly stuff because why? Because if you put everything ever made into the empty cabinet, that sin has created it will still be empty church if we follow in this moment then we ignore the truth of scripture Jesus says don't lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven I mean on earth but verse 20 I know we've got about 17 more verses we're on the second one follow me but lay up where thieves break in, so you lay up where thieves, um, where yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. By definition, only kingdom treasure is not susceptible to loss. By definition. Can you imagine the reality of that statement? I want you to settle, settle this in. The Lord has called you and I to this moment. And he's calling us to store up treasure. 
but a treasure that's not susceptible to loss. How is treasure not susceptible to loss when it is held in open hands? Now process this with me. The Lord can lay all the treasure in the world, all the freedoms in the world. He can lay everything in my hands. And it's not susceptible to loss, to lose, if it was never mine to begin with. If everything the Lord has ever placed right here was for his glory, then all, every action, whether you take it by force, whether it passively deteriorates, or whether, Lord willing, I use it for the glory of God, in that moment, nothing is lost because I'm storing up treasures in heaven. You can't miss chapter 5 and chapter 6. The Lord talks about reward over and over and over. Are you and I protecting and collecting? In fact, are we getting irritated because someone wants something you have or you want something someone else has? I think you should pause for a moment. Listen, if we could make Facebook comment-free and only pictures about family today, it'd be a good day. Because Christians, many of us have lost our ever-loving mind. Because we are exalting worldly institutions and highlighting Jesus underneath. If what we are valuing, someone's affirmation, someone's opinion, what someone's got that I want, if we are trying to store up and collect that at all costs, then we are confrontational to the cross not to our neighbor you see because somewhere along the way we found us thinking that if I have peace in my earthly treasure that's the life that Jesus wants for me suffering, hardship, sacrifice loving your neighbor as yourself thinking of someone is worth more than you Those are silly thoughts, right? In a worldly institution. You see, students, as you go to college and as parents, as you go into your companies, the, the goal is to train you to, go, to do better, to make better, to have better, to have more, and to pass it on. Let me tell you, take all of that and bathe it in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can store up treasures in heaven so that the Lord will be Please, where the Lord will be thrilled, He will be edified by the work of your hands because it's not collecting for yourselves. Church, if you and I forget that it is suffering that connects us to the cross, not a smooth life, then we may have lost the thrust of the gospel. Why? Because what you protect, what you collect, what you fight for, what we spew hatred and put downs and, and laugh at in others, that's where your heart is. That's not my word. You can be offended at me too. 
where you treasure is what you worship. And here's what Jesus says so that we don't get confused. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters for evil. He will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen to me, church. Look me. Do you ever have one of these moments? Parents? Your kid was so upset, they're frustrated. Have you ever had your child get so upset they upset themselves? They don't know what they're upset about, but they're upset. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever gotten down on their level and said, look me in the eye, right here, right here? Have you ever said that, Mom? Kids, yeah, I've said it. Ashley Renee Adams is a three-word name, right here. Here's what Jesus says, right here, church, right here. You cannot have it both ways. It is incompatible because I said so. You cannot protect and collect for your plans and be pleasing to me at the same time. You cannot fight, kill, steal, and destroy and still try to be pleasing. You can't do it. Is earthly treasure bad? Not at all. All they are is a tool for the glory and the furtherance of the kingdom. That's it. That's why we were redeemed. And we cannot have it both ways because Jesus said so. In light of that, look at verse 25. The Bible says, therefore, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life. Now listen, if you, are, if you write in your Bible, you can circle it here. If you're on your app, highlight these words. If you're taking notes, if you don't want to do that, just raw on your hand, okay? You can't give yourself the coronavirus. Amen? We're with me? So get close. Is not your life more than food? Is not your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Neither to sow nor reap nor gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them all. Do you not have more valuable than they are? Not more valuable than they are. Now listen, church, as we find ourselves in the middle of all of this, what Jesus is saying is this is about our relationship. This has nothing to do. He's talking to the Jew. This has nothing to do with this unfair, ab- abusive society that has come in and it's treating you differently. This is not about them. This is you and me. Look me in the eye. Do you not know that I value you more than? More than the birds of the field. More than the person who spews hate at you. More than the person who's trying to take what you've got. More than the person who's speaking up against you. More than the person who hasn't worked as hard as you. More than the person. Don't you know 
Church, this morning, what Jesus says is, this is about relationships. Either you doubt that I value you or you believe it. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it. We, we, we cannot doubt and believe simultaneously. He, and he's telling you, I'm telling you, I value you more, but you, by your actions, will define your heart. Do you believe me, or are you still looking to a worldly institution to give you value, to protect what you've got, to make sure you're clothed and your children are clothed? Jesus says, heavenly treasures are based on my relationship, and my relationship starts with believing that I value you. While you were still sinners, I died for you. While you were still a, an object of wrath, God sent his son for you. Why? Because he values you. Not because you were valuable addition. Not because you were a cooperative agreement. But because out of his grace, he valued you. That's it. He goes further and he says this. He says, listen. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Jesus says, don't you believe that I want the best for your life? Don't you believe that God who values you wants the best for you? And the best for you may not be this peaceful, easy feeling. That's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, but don't you believe that? Because by being anxious, have you ever made yourself younger by being anxious? Let me ask you a question. Do you remember what Christy and I looked like five years ago when we came to First Baptist? Let me tell you what was absent on my beard when I grow it and on her head when she shows it. Gray, you're killing us. Not, it's not you, it's us. Well, it sounds like breaking up. I'm not going anywhere. Listen, I find myself battling with anxiety because I love you and I want to make sure whether you're on the other side of the screen and I haven't seen you, you have no idea whether in your house that that I don't do anything that would cause the enemy a way to separate us. Sometimes I'm anxious about you when you're struggling with health issues. I'm, I'm anxious about your heart when I know it's hurting. I'm anxious about some of the things that I see going on. I want to pull you back in. My me being anxious, even out of love, guess what I'm doing? I'm hurting myself, aren't I? Have you ever gone to the doctor? See Doc over there? Doc, he's never told me, David, if you would just worry more and be anxious about losing everything, you're going to feel so great tomorrow. All this, that's the, that's the best defense of the, against the coronavirus. Just be anxious and worry. Wonders for your immune system. He's never said it. Why? Because it's not true. What God says here, Jesus says, either you doubt that or you believe it. Either you believe that I've come that you might have life to the full, or you think I'm a liar. Your call. How will I know? Because where your treasure is, your heart is. I'll know. Don't deceive yourself. There will be many on that day when they come before our Heavenly Father and say, let me in. Look at all I've done. And God says, those motives weren't mine. They were yours. I don't have a relationship with you. 
Church, in this season, the world needs to know that we serve the almighty, living, righteous God who values us more than anything or any man or any woman and who has designed for us life eternal starting today for us to delight in regardless of the sufferings or the trials around us. And so Jesus says, Therefore, therefore, verse 31, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Oh, let's, I skipped a bunch. Let's go to 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive, thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not more, much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. You see, because in the middle of all of this craziness, he says, really, church? It's about my promise. Do you believe I'm good for my word? When the Roman oppressor is beating you down and taking away your rights, when your child is sick, when the economy stole your retirement, do you, do you believe my promise? When your, your clothes have holes in them and you can't afford to replace them, do you believe my promise? Church, this morning, here's the question. In your relationship with God, is it based on your ability to be faithful or his? What are you getting angry about today? What are you anxious about today? Is it tied to the loss of earthly things that you have made plans for for yourself or for those or for causes that you love? Jesus says it's not worth it. Don't be anxious. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because worldly people, the Gentiles, seek after these things. Mm. Your Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Church, this is what Jesus says. He says, in the world, we are talking about earthly things and our earthly institutions and our sinful earthly self is set up. It's designed by the corrosion of sin to protect what is naturally created to be lost. I want you to pause for a second. What has aggravated you this week? What's caused you pain in your heart? Is it worldliness? Is it that you're, you're trying to hold on to something that was made to be given away? Or is your heart hurt and broken? Because you know the truth. That life 
and the promise and the value of the Lord that it cannot be taken away. It can't be removed. Students, as you go to college, don't become collectors of earthly things. Don't even become collectors of accolades of how good you are doing earthly things. Seek first his kingdom, his plan, and his righteousness, a right relationship with him. And he will take care of everything you need. Church, this is the message the world needs. It doesn't need your political post tomorrow, I promise. It doesn't need me defending my stance, I promise. The world needs Jesus. And they need to see the church lifting him up so that he can have his way in this worldly institution that we are left in on purpose. The change in this country happens through the body of Christ. That's the only way it happens. But the change in this country won't happen in the body until the body of Christ, that is you, seek him first and his kingdom first till you trust him to add unto you. Jesus closes as a reminder. He says, but listen, if you want to, it's yours, but I'm telling you, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's what he says. But even if you throw everything I set out, here's what I want you to know, because I want you to know I'm, I'm trustworthy. If you live for the tomorrow of earthly things, get ready for a miserable life. Because today will be miserable, and tomorrow will be miserable, and the next day will be miserable. And you can come to church, you can watch at home, you can do whatever, but it's going to be misery followed by misery. Because that's what earthly treasure seeking holds for everyone. So don't do it. Seek him first. Let's pray together, church. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and for your word. Lord, we cannot navigate this moment on our own. We were not made for it. Lord, we, we have seen so many things just from our perspective. God, let us not read the word from our lens, Lord, but let us read it for yours. Lord, when we sing, all that I have is yours, God, what we proclaim is, I focus my heart on earthly treasure, and I'm storing it in your house. Lord Jesus, I know, I know we're wrestling. Lord, I pray today that you would allow us to turn our hands loose, and that you would allow believers of every nation, tribe, and tongue to stop seeking, protecting, fighting, wrestling for earthly treasures that were meant to be done away with. Father God, let us be about the gospel. Lord Jesus, if there is anyone who has no freedom from this wrestling, Lord, would you introduce them to you? so they may know life and hope in Jesus. Pray this in your name.
Amen. Church, would you?